sure was <laughs> well and we are we do not have a storm warning in the valley tonight so i don't think my phone is going to go off like it did last time that's all right i never heard it just saw it light up in the background back there well yeah but i could hear it and it was kind of annoying so but here we are back for another uh, another round of the fusion underground episode number 65 it's all right are you asking me? Yeah, yeah, I'm asking. <laughs> that, yeah, absolutely. That sounds, sounds right. good, right? 100%. Sounds good. Yep. Yeah, and here, here at the Fusion Underground, what we try to do is we try to make sense of the world by having principled discussions about such topics as entertainment, current events, politics, and culture. Our mission is to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives. As always, I'm your host, Manuel Ramirez, and I'm joined in the virtual studio by the one, the only, the terribly exhausted... <laughs> Jason Moret, how are you doing, brother? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good, brother. <laughs> I'm I'm in a perpetual state of exhaustion. Perpetual state of exhaustion is yeah. uh yeah. I, I believe you are. Yeah. I, I definitely believe you are. Um, we are continuing our our in-depth dive into the unknowable, into the unknown waters, that which is the female mind. Yes. And I, I'd like to point out that even with such useful tools as a book called for men only by Shanti and Jeff Feldman or Feldhan, excuse me. Um, we're still just two dudes. So we're probably only ever going to be able to scratch the surface. I don't know how in-depth dive we're going to be able to make it into the female psyche or mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're nobodies. We don't know what the hell we're talking about. So, but we're having fun doing it. But we're faking it till we make it. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> before we dive into that, um, before we dive into that, I, I do have some. Um, well, this is stupid news, and um, lo and behold, it ties directly into our uh, our topic here about the women's the woman's psyche. Oh God, I'm scared because it it is stupid news that involves women. I'm not saying women are stupid. No, that did no, not come out no, of my, my I, mouth. I, no, 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 no. I, I understand. Um, I'm just saying that this time we have stupid news involving women. Okay. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm, okay. <laughs> I'll throw you a line if you need help digging yourself out of that, that hole there, bro. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> so... Uh, have you ever have you ever gone to an interview and they ask you very 
open-ended kind of questions that typically try to probe your, not only your strengths, but also your weaknesses? Yes. I actually tend to ask open-ended odd questions when I interview people. Um, and I've been accused of asking pretty shitty interview questions. Oh, okay. Um, pretty messed up ones. So, um, yes, I, I believe I know what you're referring to. So here's a, here's an example of a, of a woman. She was very offended. She was very offended. And, um, she was asked a couple of questions during the interview process. And first one was worst career decision. Now she doesn't go into detail. She doesn't actually specify the question. She's just specifying, I guess, more of a general category. Um, But in her interpretation, she was asked, what is your worst career decision? She was also asked the very benevolent uh, lessons from mistakes. Yes. Name a time where you made a mistake, what you learned from that, what you you learned from it, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She was also asked a question having to deal with work-life balance. Not exactly sure what the question entailed. That's all it says, work-life balance. But Mm -hmm. there was a question around that. Then she actually put this question in quotes and she, and she wrote, tell us about a time when someone, tell us about a time someone encouraged you to try a task you didn't think you could do. Okay. Okay. Um, now, these four types of questions, categories, whatever you want to call them, these were offensive to her. All of them? Yeah. Oh. Well, you just failed your interview. Move on. Yeah, they were, they were, she was offended by them and she wrote, my God, all in caps, stop treating women like injured birds. And she had what? like three, three puking emojis. Yeah. And then, so, uh, but apparently this was, this was like an online form because she was typing it in there. And so one, the form actually asked another question that said, um, Well, yeah, here it was here. Can you tell us about a time someone encouraged you to try a task or take on a project you didn't think you would know how to do or be good at? That was a question. Okay. And her response, this is what she typed in and what she then decided to tweet out to the entire universe. She wrote, quote, the premise of this question feeds into every stereotype there is about women leadership. I, in asterisks am the person who encouraged myself to try a task i didn't know how to do i do that every day as ceo i will continue to do it i don't need to rely on someone else to give me permission to be awesome guess what lady you are not going to be chosen for the position to which you had applied yeah i don't care what that was i don't give a crap what it was i'm not going to pick her I wouldn't pick her. Nobody would pick her. Nobody would pick her. You're openly antagonizing the people you are wanting to work for or with. Right. In why would you, why would anybody want to work with you? you? Right. Why would anybody want to work with you? I don't really buy the fact that she's a CEO unless she's just the CEO of her own personal company. Uh, She looks like she's about 18. Wow. Yeah. And why is it? This is the what in, in wait, wait. In what way, shape, or form is any of that question have anything to do with stereotypes whatsoever? It has understand. nothing to do with that because I guarantee you that the men are being asked the exact same questions. Of course. It's just a standard form. They're wanting to know what you think. They're wanting to know how you think about things. Right. But it's, she got offended by it because she was happens to be a woman taking it. And so therefore, they were attacking women and treating her like an injured bird who can't do anything. 
I was actually talking to my wife. She was um, in an interview process here not long ago for a couple different positions. But, um, you know, I was talking to her about questions like these. I said, there, it's not necessarily about the answer. It's about no, what you right. derive from the question and what you reveal about yourself as a person. I said, these, these yeah. are very open-ended for a reason without any specific yes, no answers, because they want to see what your thought process is like, what you're mm -hmm. willing to talk about amongst your, uh, about yourself, how you open up, how you engage in dialogue, what, what can be extrapolated from not only how you extrapolate information from the question, but how you embellish upon that you're, you're lending to, basically a, a caricature of your own psyche in, in some of these, I said, so yeah. look for those things. And, and there's some key words here and there and how interview questions are crafted, but um, this lady completely missed the friggin' point, man. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's kind of, <clears throat> I think it's kind of, um, kind of hysterical because here she is being offended. And think about this. She's being offended over the premise that women cannot think, be independent thinkers or critical thinkers. And yet she's re refusing to look at these questions and apply critical thinking to them. Yeah, or look at them at least independently. Right. She's, she's reiterating refusing. talking points in regards to women's suffrage issues, right. which has nothing to do with the fact where they're talking about areas or times where you felt insecure and how you were encouraged right um that everybody has at some point felt inadequate or insecure about something and had someone or some something whether it's animate or inanimate give them encouragement to push on sure i'm, I'm sure as an empowered woman as she is there's been multiple times where she has encouraged either herself by her own words. Well, okay, great. Use that. Talk about it instead of actually turning it into a, an accusation of, of slight. Yeah. And yet, dumb, dumb. and yet people like her are going to demand that they be treated exactly equal as, as men, but they can't be asked the same questions as men, because then by being asked the same questions as men, they're going to infer that you're somehow being misogynist and patriarchal toward them. Well, the good news is she is going to experience equal treatment as well, men, women, cisgender, transgender, yeah. whatever that may be, because out of the, you know, 500 applicants, only one gets picked. So she just gets treated like the other 499 people. <laughs> yeah. And goes away into the circular, and goes away into, into the know, circular filing cabinet, flipping her hamburgers or whatever yeah. it is. She does her empowered self. Yeah. Rock on sister. Yeah. Well, I have another story here. Okay. So a Wisconsin woman, this is by way of the Associated Press, this comes to us by way of the Associated Press, a Wisconsin woman accidentally shot a friend, shot a friend with a gun, mind you, while using the laser sight on the handgun to play with a cat. Yeah. Oh, good a man, God. A man was standing in the doorway and he was shot in the thigh. Now he, he recovered. So there's a lot of things going on in this story. Just <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a whole scene of comedy happening here. So first of all, what the hell, dude? So apparently, the dude that got shot, it was his gun. So what? it was it was his gun, right? So he took out his gun 
and said somehow during the conversation of him showing off his weapon, uh, he informed the woman that there was a laser sight on the gun in which she apparently said, let me get that. Let me, can I have that so I can play with the cat? And when he gave her the weapon, it was loaded. Uh huh. He didn't unload his weapon before he gave it to her. Well, I obviously not. Oh, well, he got <laughs> shot. <laughs> of all of the bits and pieces and details of the story, that's the one I didn't need spelled out for me. But thank but, you, Dr. Ramirez, for but, clarifying that but, point. <laughs> but dude, I'm just, you know, because it's not, it's not just, it's not just her stupidity. It's also his stupidity. That's what Oh, no, 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 no. Stop. I... I credit very little of this accident mm -hmm. to the gal who was actually using the laser sight to play with a cat. Very little. I'm surprised Roughly she didn't shoot the cat. 5%. I'm surprised she didn't shoot the cat. No, actually, that didn't surprise me at all. Well, think about it. You've played with your cat with a laser sight, right? Right, right. You don't point it at the cat to play with it. You point it at everything else. No, I put you it at, at, I point it at my cat. At I point at the back point of my cat. Yeah, and well, yeah, so he chases his tail and you know, yeah, doing yeah, all yeah. that in front of the wall. Yeah, but you've pointed everywhere else but in the cat's face. And you point a laser at somebody else? When you got a cat chasing after it? Yeah, you do. Yeah, dumb dumb. <laughs> I, I hate this whole story. This this is just oh no, you know, no, no. I am not done is, with this yet. You th don't this get is why stop. this is no. why people want to get rid of firearms because of stupid people like this. Yes. Well, no, this is this is an example of stupid people having stupid mishaps. Honestly, that's the thing. These don't actually make the floor of Congress. Nobody they don't they don't pay attention to stupid stories like that, because honestly, everybody there trying to <laughs> vote on this no, would laugh their ass off. <laughs> no, it doesn't make the floor of Congress, but it makes the floor of Twitterverse and and inflames all of the Twitter Nazis that say, see, just another reason why there needs to be a ban on firearms. Right. You can't just ban laser lights and cats. I think we should just ban cats. It's probably a safer bet. <laughs> You think about it now. Realistically, if if there was no cat involved, this yeah. accident could have been avoided. Well, it would not true. have happened. Yeah, that's true. So therefore, cats are deadly; they're yeah. lethal. Yeah, that's true. That's the kind of backwards logic that I I would absolutely love to go toe to toe with somebody on. Yeah. Because honestly, if there was no cat, this man would be walking home. That's true. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe she would have shot him in the face. I, I who knows? Yeah, I'm sorry. All, all all of the onus lies on some dumb dumb who handed a loaded weapon to someone who didn't know anything about it. So, with the full knowledge and intention that they were going to use a laser light to play with a feline, yeah. that guy's a moron. That guy's a moron. And this is why we cannot we cannot have nice things. Yeah, or cats. Or cats. All right. Well, let's dive into this book. Cats are bad. Let's let's dive into this book because we have we have quite a bit of content to cover tonight. Okay. So before we get into the full content of stuff, we have to talk about the mind of the woman. Now we talked about last week. What did we talk about last week? So last week we laid out the seven revelations of the female yes. psyche and mind. 
and and a brief overview of the surface understanding of women's needs um, and what the act of actual practice or deeper understanding of what those are. Um, and we talked quite a bit about the transition from the surface understanding of women needing to feel loved to the actual practice of that understanding, which is that um, they women have a fundamental insecurity about their emotional attachment or love that they experience in their relationships. Right. And we talked about how, how women want to feel that reaffirmation that you still, you still love me. Um, right. You know, there was, <clears throat> I had kind of an epiphany when I, after we had finished talking about this and recording. Um, okay. And I thought that, you know, as when we went through the other book for women only, we talked about how there's a, there's a very deep ingrained feeling within men that they need to feel respect in their relationships. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how respect is, is a form is a way that men feel love in a relationship. And I, and I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that in, in conjunction with how women have this need to feel love reaffirmed, how even, even as men, we might say, we might tell our spouse, well, I love you. That doesn't mean they necessarily feel that they're loved. And so they need to, you need to dig a little bit deeper and show them that they, you know, so that they can feel that actual love, not just hear the words of it. And I thought this would be very similar if instead with, if couples, rather than saying, I love you all the time, if couples said, I respect you, if couples were to say, I respect you all the time as men, we don't just necessarily want to hear the words. I respect you as you're walking out that honey, I respect you. Have a good day. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. We want to feel and be shown that respect in our relationships. And so for, for men, that's equally as important. We can't just be told, well, honey, I respect you. And then their actions show us otherwise, right. or just don't show that they respect us. And so for women, it's the same way, but they feel it on the love side of that, of that equation. We can't just always walk around and say, honey, I love you. We actually have to show them that they are loved. Right. And, and I think in this respect, men and women are very much, are very, very similar. Mm-hmm. It just manifests in a slightly different way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm looking at, as I'm reading through this book and comparing it to the last, seeing a lot of correlation and similarities um, between the two, which is not only by design, but logically sound. I mean, the, of course there would be, um, sure. but yeah, there, there is definitely the, um, Actions speak louder than words mm-hmm. and where respect is key and vital for men, this emotional reaffirmation is key and vital for women and words very rarely, unless your, your significant other is a words of affirmation person. Um, that's not going to translate. You need to yeah. be able to show them. And, and I really actually took this down a little bit more to an empathetic or empathetic connection. There's one thing to sit and listen. There's one thing to be compassionate. It's another to be entirely empathetically connected. Yeah. And that's, I think, the the deeper connection that women are looking for. Yeah. So remember how when we were covering the the other book, For Women Only, we talked about how for, for guys, we have this whole treasure trove, if you will, of 
well, just hot chicks sitting in the back of our mind somewhere. And sometimes it just pops up. Yeah. Visual images of attractiveness. Very much more politically correct than how I said, than how I, how I phrased it. And even better than when you called it the skin box in your head last week. Thank no, you I didn't call much. it the skin box. Yes, you did. No, did I call it the skin box or did I call yes, it the spank you did. Which one did I call <laughs> you, know, I, you know what? I apologize. No, I yeah, yeah, see? Uh, That's even worse. <laughs> so, yes, men have a... a what did you call it just now? A the skin database. Uh, a, the skin box? The skin box. I know I've never used skin box. Okay. There, there's a database of visual images. Um, yes. That it's like a Netflix. Fortunately pop up into men's heads all yeah. the time. And, and it just, there's not. nothing we can control. We can't really control that about it. It just, you know, images will pop up. And and the thing is, is they're often amorphous. I don't know about you. My, when they pop up in my mind, they're often just amorphous. Like it, it's not, it's not necessarily of one particular imagery no. that i remember it's not like it's like oh that one's of so and so you know this here's an image of what's her name you know it doesn't happen like that it's just no like, it's a it's a rubik's cube of images that just flash and gone you knew they were there you know that they're really yeah. probably not appropriate um right. and you just try and move on so you it's, it's like um, oh legs you know i don't know whose legs those were but you know they were like right there yeah. really fast right yeah mm -hmm. and so those things like pop up every once in a while you know What's the, there's a, you know, the pictures that are made up of a whole bunch of little itty bitty tiny pictures. Uh, oh the, yeah. The collage yeah. type. Yeah. I, that's kind of how that is. It's just like, Oh look, naked chick. What? That yeah. Was, yeah. That, ha what? I, it, yeah. Sorry. I lost, you lost my attention for just a second. I, for just I five seconds there to two what? seconds. Yeah. It's what, a, it's a fleeting, say? it's a fleeting thing. Yeah. And, and it's very rare, very like almost never is it, uh, it's, 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 it's very rarely sexual in, in nature. It's just, blink, oh, there's a flash and then it moves on, yeah. you know? No, um, but for that to happen, it has to be very succinct. You have to add, like, if I said, uh, Hey, did you ever see the movie eyes wide shut? And you go there, boom, there it is. Yeah. All of those, every scene that you just, they, they just went boom, 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 yeah. boom. And you just ran through all 20 of them in yeah. two seconds. Right. And then you go, yes, I have seen that movie. Yes, I, I have remember that. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Couldn't tell you what it's about, but yeah, sure. I forgot everything <laughs> other than all of that other stuff that just flashed yeah. through my head and I just did it again. You know, I mean, right. so unless there's something specifically referenced or brought up, um, it's usually an amalgamation of, of a lot of different images and ideas right. all popping up. Right. And, and women should not feel um, threatened by that no. reality. Yeah. Now I have to preface something here is when we talk about these books, we're talking about, I would say your, your, first of all, your average red blooded American moral, um, decent people. I'm not talking about the outliers, the crazy people. When we're looking at these books, you know, there are, I'm not talking about the narcissists that are out there. I'm not talking about the, the nihilists. And I don't think the authors of these books were talking about those people. I, I think they're legitimately focused on principled or at least moral people that are just trying to get through their regular, the, the normal everyday average American that you see walking around. They're just trying to get through the, through the day. They're just trying to take care of their family. They love their spouses 
you know, they love their families. They're dedicated to their, to their families. And that's who they're, that's who these we're talking about. That's who the authors I think are talking about. And I, I know when I'm talking about this book and commenting on it, I'm talking about those kinds of people. Yeah. I'm not talking about the crazy lunatic narcissists or whatever that might exist out there. No, so we kind of throw that out. We kind of throw those outliers to the side, but so the reason why I brought up the whole <clears throat> skin yeah, just 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 the, the, the <laughs> while for men all the visual right. images are always there and popping up and getting in the way for women, it is all of these emotions and feelings and just different thoughts that just randomly pop up all the time. Right. Now, and the thing is whether they want them to or not. So just the same way that legs might pop into your mind, whether you want it to or not. For, for ladies out there, they often get these thoughts, these images, these feelings that pop up from all over the place. Years but, ago. Whereas as dudes, we normally just have like one window open, then we close it. Mm -hmm. Women can have like multiple windows open. Yeah. Men can't do that. I don't understand that. No, I really don't. Actually, when, <clears throat> I, was, when I was reading through this, especially in tying emotions, do you ever remember the... Um, if you've ever seen any like the Sherlock Holmes or type investigations where they've got the pin board and all the string going from this to that. And this, right, right. this is, that reminded me of kind of how women actually tie these emotions together. I mean, what we as guys would look at as 200 completely separate instances of space and time mm -hmm. and situation women go, Nope, they are all connected. And let me show right. you how, because all of these, <clears throat> you know, the, all of these emotions or all of these situations triggered a similar emotional response or were driven right. from a similar emotional place. Guys, we have a real hard time making those connections. Well, and women I want to have an incredibly difficult, if almost impossible time severing those connections. Yeah. And I, I just want to point out something here. I'm not talking about multitasking. Multitasking is a, is, is a fallacy. Human beings, whether you're females or males, are terrible at multitasking. This is not multitasking. It, it is very possible for human beings to have multiple thoughts going on simultaneously in their head, but that's a lot different than carrying out a task. So I know women love to say they are great at multitaskers. What they're confusing is they're confusing having all of these emotions and thoughts popping up in their head as multitasking, because it is impossible for you to play the piano and do algebra at the same time. Women can't do it, men can't do it. We can't do it. We cannot do it. So just stop, ladies. You can't multitask, stop. You're single threaded just like guys when it comes to actually performing activities, stop. Okay, we're not talking about that. I get really irritated when I hear people go, well, I'm a great multitasker. No, that means you're very efficient at doing things inefficiently. <laughs> That's what that means. I've, I've actually taken the term multitasking out of my vocabulary because what I, what I do recognize is the more I have going on, the less effective I am at any one thing in particular. I mean, everything and, suffers. And then, and um, women are, women are the same way. So ladies, you're terrible are. at it. Stop it. Stop there's saying a you're big, a good multitasker. You're not. There's a big, big difference between physically performing a duty or task, accomplishing mm -hmm. one physical task versus having multiple different things playing out in your head. It's Correct. a big difference, big, Correct. big difference. And, and I, I think 
Well, I credit Shanti and Jeff very, very much in actually using some of those analogies in, in describing this. I don't believe that they <clears throat> really went into enough detail to actually separate those two out. But again, this is this book in particular is for men only. Right. So I do recognize exactly why you're you're pointing that out ahead of time. Um, this is not about whether if you're going to sit and and write a report on your computer, that's your task. That's your one. Right. When guys do that, that's all we're thinking about is the report that we're writing ladies you're doing still one task now you might be problem solving and thinking about and mentally preparing and laying out 900 other tasks in your head at the same time and but you're absolutely not doing you do, multiple tasks but you're doing one so i just and if you think you are and if you actually are going from one task to another you're not multitasking, you're task switching, which is a big thing as well, which is a completely different issue. So right. multitasking as it sounds means literally doing multiple tasks simultaneously. You cannot do it. And ladies, I know a lot of moms out there, I love you to pieces and you are amazing at what you do. Because yes, you can cook the dinner and you can rally and watch the kids and you can have a simultaneous conversation on the phone and let the cat out and do laundry. And you're doing those intertwined not at the same time and right. you guys can do that even guys can't do that the way you can so kudos and love you to pieces but this is mentally this is what's happening upstairs yes okay there you've prefaced that enough you ready <laughs> No. <laughs> you, you seem very reserved and anxious, Dr. Yeah, Ramirez. No. <clears throat> so have you ever been have you ever been with your wife and you're driving along and you're maybe going to dinner? They actually have this in the book, right? You're 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 driving and then all of a sudden, you know, you're having a conversation. You happen to say something and all of a sudden her, her demeanor completely changes and now she's pissed off about something and it's your fault. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's never happened. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Next question. Has it, well, what does that do to you when that happens? Like, you're just like, besides doing or making my best effort not to crash the vehicle to which I'm uh -huh. driving, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, as every guy out there, everyone, I went, wait, uh -huh. what? <laughs> yeah. What do you, what do you, what's the matter? What I say? What I say? Right. But you're, I, you're, you're at fault because now something came up because, but, and it seems so, it seems so crazy. It seems like it's just, it's out of the blue. And it's like, now you're just acting like a crazy person or she's acting like a crazy person. And it's like, why are you acting like a crazy person? They actually asked this question on their survey to women. It says many guys believe that there aren't really rational reasons when a girl's attitudes, actions, or words change from day to day, which of the following is true of you choose one. The first, the first part, um, 
the first uh, possible response is, in most cases, even if a guy doesn't see it, there is a reason if I say or do things differently. And if my feelings have changed, there's a reason for that too. 87% of the respondents answered in favor of that option. Well, no. Okay. I'm going to say something. Bear with mm-hmm. me. Uh, no offense. But no shit women said that. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 no. No, I, I got it. Are you saying they're lying? No, are you saying I'm they're not just saying said that so they didn't lying. appear crazy? No, I'm not saying that either. But uh-huh. I know for a uh-huh. fact that in it, my wife and I have been together for 23 years now. I know with absolute certainty from the moment the conversation started to the moment that something changed or triggered to the moment of her being pissed off and upset, there was an absolute rational, logical sequence of events that all took place in her head up to that point. There's a reason for it, but I'm not in her head. I'm in the driver's seat. And the only conversation I'm having is the 10 or 15 words that have actually transpired out loud in the conversation. So to me, it's all completely irrational as to how we went from, what do you want for dinner tomorrow night? Honey, I don't know. We're, we're going out to dinner tonight. Let's just focus on tonight. Well, I know, but we got to think about that because the kids are this and that. All right, fine. Do you want steak again? Why do you always go back to that? I was just throwing that out there. What's wrong with that idea? You know what? I'm not even talking to you. What the fuck? What the hell just happened? <laughs> well, and, and I like how in the book here, they talk about, you know, breaking that code and trying to figure out what it is that just happened. Mm-hmm. Right. And so th- th- the problem is, is their explanation doesn't really, doesn't really do men, doesn't really help us any. It doesn't help us figure out what to do with that information. Right. Because the first, it says possible reason number one, it's something you've done, even if you don't realize you did it. Yeah. Which is where every guy's at. No (laughs) freaking kidding. Yeah. Uh, You know, out of nowhere, but their point though, is that she's upset. Yes. It's something you've done. But, but there's a string of, it's like a domino effect. So something happens and usually those dominoes start tip, start tilting. And usually the behavior doesn't change until it reaches this max critical point, at which point that's when her behavior says, screw it. I'm, you know, I'm done. Or now you pissed me off and I don't have anything to do with you, but it's gone on. So f- for so long we have no idea where were the actual trigger point. And the sad reality is it's usually cumulative. It's because we did a bunch of little things that added up to the crazy behavior. It's not to say that it's crazy, really. And it's not to say it's it's illogical. It's actually logical in their mind because it's a series of things that have added up that finally hits their threshold. And they're like, now I hate you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So. So just so that you're aware, guys, that does happen. So when she, one possible reason is, yeah, you screwed it up, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
then they then they then they offer an explanation they offer that if she's set up if she's upset sorry if she's upset always assume that it could have been something you did number two ask her to tell you if you did something to mess things up now would that work no 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 allow me to offer a rephrasing of said admission because i okay at least for my wife and my relationship mm-hmm. if my wife's pissed off i guarantee you it's because of something i did the last thing in the world i'm gonna do is go honey i think you're upset is it something i did <laughs> because much like to what you pointed out last week if i have to ask i'm pwned i'm right. done i mean right. there is no hope So I would like to offer a suggestion, actually two, depending upon how brave you are or where you know your wife. Say, honey, I recognize that you're upset and I'm sorry about that. I'd like to know what it was that I I did or said to upset you so that I can try and rectify it. That's an option. And it's a fair option. And it does tell her that you care enough to put yourself out under the sword. Now, if she's really pissed, too bad, so sad. You get what you get. But at least you're showing her that you care enough to put yourself out there for that. Now, if you're worked up and this is where you need to get away before you do something stupid, then I offer the other option. Honey, I recognize that you're upset. And while I don't know what it is right now, I would like some time to myself so that I can go think about it. (laughs) <laughs> put me in time out is that and what you say go take yourself out this is where you know you need to go separate and mentally process and maybe you might be able to backtrack and figure out what you said yeah you'll never figure that out mm, well not probably never never's never's a, never's a strong word never's a very strong word but you will you will probably not figure it out on your own Correct. because there's because it's cumulative remember there's a bunch of stuff that is so right. but here's Here's where I think it's unfair. I'm sorry. Wait, did you say unfair? Yes. Wait, yes. no, before you finish that thought, I have to ask, mm-hmm. what part of relationships did you ever conclude to be fair? <laughs> so I'm going to throw this back in ladies in the lady's oh, face okay. for a moment. Oh, we said we weren't. We said this book was going to be trashing on men. Remember? Well, it 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 is, but at the same it it is, but at the same time, we're, we're trying to understand, right? We're trying to understand. I'm a dude. I don't understand how all this works, and I'm trying to understand. Okay, ladies, you always say that the relationship is a two way street, right? Is that I'm not a lady. I'm not answering that question. <laughs> is this is this not about it? Seriously, I want ladies to think about their ideal relationship. If their ideal relationship. If you're in the your ideal relationship, is it a two-way street or not? Which means if your husband gets pissed off at you, is it okay for your husband? to treat you in the exact same way 
that you treat him when you're pissed off at him? Is it fair? I'm not saying every woman does that. Okay. I'm not, but it seems to me that it's more acceptable in our society that women can get pissed off at their men and never explain why they're pissed off. But it's unacceptable for men to be pissed off at their ladies and to never tell their ladies why their men are pissed off. That seems hypocritical to me. And I want to know why is it acceptable in our society for women to control all of that negative power, but it's not okay for men to control the power, to control that negative power just the same. Because you know as well as I do, these are the kinds of things where, you know what, if you get a bunch of women together and the women will be like, oh, no, he didn't, right? And you slay queen and all that bullshit, right? So they're going to be all cheering each other on. You give him what he, you know, give it to him what he deserves, girl. You go, girl, all that kind of stuff. But the second that the man is upset at her, oh, it's you don't have any right to be upset with her and to treat her. And I agree with that. I agree with that. What I'm trying to get at is I don't think it's acceptable for either party, whether you have the chromosome or not. I don't think it's, I don't think it's acceptable for either person in that relationship to treat the other person with, I don't want to, I don't want to say with disdain because that's too harsh of a word, Mm -hmm. but if you're mad at your spouse and your spouse comes to you and says, honey, what did I do? That's, they're asking for your, they're asking for that feedback. Why wouldn't you, whether you're a man or a woman, why wouldn't you take a moment, take a deep breath and say, let me explain. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, which is again, why I said, I think this is an opportunity for men and I'm going to pick on men because that's where I'm at. That's the headspace I'm in. So bear Mm -hmm. with me Um, to say, okay, I know you're upset. I don't recognize or understand what it was that I said or did to cause you to get to that point. Now I realize and recognize when I'm dealing with my wife in particular, and and I, I hate keep picking on her, but she's, She's the example I have. So sorry, everybody out there deal with it. Um, There's been times we've been having a discussion and I can tell there's been a whole argument happened in her head that I haven't caught up with yet. So she might be all the way to the end of the argument where, you know, I'm still at the very beginning. I recognize that. And sometimes I have to catch up, but on the other hand, there is an added benefit when I can actually say, honey, I recognize you're, you're having an argument with me and I'm not, I'm not having an argument with you yet. I'm still trying to discuss this. Now for us, that's actually caused a break in that, I guess, domino effect, like you said, where we can actually come back and say, okay, we're not there yet. Let's talk about where we are and see if we can't rationalize through this. So that has, excuse me, helped me incredibly have those discussions. And luckily for my situation, my wife actually recognizes that yes, those emotions snowball and they start moving down the mountain very, very, very quickly where there's times where I haven't caught up or I didn't even realize we were off to the races yet. 
So it's allowed us that opportunity to have communication that we haven't been able to possibly have before because she's actually able to understand that those emotions have led her down a different place that I'm not with her yet. So for men empathizing and understanding that that's actually happened or happening should offer some insight on how to actually regain some ground and actually meet women where they are. And I'm not saying men are going to ever be able to meet women where they are mentally or emotionally in that sense, but at least show the effort to understand. Yeah. And, and I, and I agree with that. I agree that, you know, I, I firmly agree that men need to, we need to try to control our own anger. When we hear criticism, especially from our loved one, um, that often elicits an irritated, angry type of a response. Mm -hmm. I understand that. And I understand that that's a fallacy that exists within me as a, as a man. And so, but now that I know that, okay, now that I know that I can reflect on that and I can look at situations where my spouse is trying to critique me and then learn from it. How could I have responded to that better in a, in a different way? Could I have responded? Could I have controlled my anger until I heard what she said, you know, and take the criticism for what it is before I ever allow myself to get angry. <clears throat> so as a man, if I'm going to take that on so that I can meet women, so I can meet my spouse halfway, then damn it, why can't she do the exact same thing? Well, and I'm not saying that that's not an unreasonable request by any means. And, and actually, and if, <clears throat> if, I could, if, if I could wish for one thing, mm -hmm. it would be for all the women out there, all, all women, hear me please save yourself strife stop getting into fights and arguments with your spouse when you first wake up because of dreams that you had oh my we god we have had no control oh. over that whatsoever it's not our fault yes, i swear we weren't there we didn't do I anything wasn't there you and, can't and neither were you not really right so, Stop Nothing crucifying happened. me at six in the morning <laughs> because you had bad dreams. <laughs> it doesn't help either one of us together. <laughs> right. I, I think a lot of it. So, you know, when I was reading this book, especially this particular chapter, you know, the, the, the next part the next possible reason why, you know, women act tend to act crazy, at least from a male's perspective um, they say, and here it's in the book, it's not necessarily about you. It's about a hidden from you emotional need inside of her. Okay. And this goes to those little windows of, of emotions that, that sort of pop up. And now all of a sudden she's feeling that she needs to be reassured in the relationship. This is what they're outlining in the book, right? Now she's feeling she needs to be reassured, but she's now afraid to tell you. So now she feels all upset. And when you ask, well, what's the matter? And she says, I'm fine. And we know you're never fine. We know that. Well, when, when, if, if you ask your wife, if you know that your wife's demeanor has changed, you go, honey, what's wrong? And she goes, nothing. I'm fine. You know, that's no. wrong. You, <laughs> you, it's like a big gigantic neon sign that says, Danger will rise. Danger, danger, danger will rise. Right? Yeah. Danger, right. you know something is wrong. Okay. So we already know something is wrong. Okay. 
my point in bringing all this up is that according to the book, the, the, the women, women want to feel a bit, this is according to the book. So don't crucify me. Right. So according to the experts here, the women want to be pursued a little bit because they want to know that yes, as a man, you are genuinely concerned and you, and before they tell you something that's really bothering them, they want to make sure that you're not going to get all upset or any. So they're playing these little tests to test your, to test your wherewithal and all this kind of, okay. The, all that aside for just a second, what my big challenge to women is rather than go through all of this, rather than just accept this, I know there are things that men that we do that we have to own and we need to improve on, but I'm begging all women out there do the hard work yourself too and reflect on those things on how you behave and what you do in a relationship and how when these things creep up how you treat your man in that situation and how could you respond better to your man how can you give him what you need to give him so that he can come and help you and reassure you what are things that you can do now i'm not everybody's different you have to walk your own path but why would anybody read these books and say, oh, this explains it. I'm not going to do any hard work on how to make myself a better person in my relationship. And I feel like this is an, I, I almost feel like when I got, when I started reading this book, I almost felt like these books were just saying, here's how men react. Here's how women react in these situations. This just, just react that way. And it's okay to react that way. And I'm thinking, no, it's almost not okay. It's like we were never told, we were never educated on how our emotions affect us in relationships and we don't know how to actually be in a relationship. And these books, I think, help you to see that so that way you can improve yourself and figure out how do I become a better person so I don't drive my spouse crazy. And I think that goes, I think men need to do that, but I also think women need to do that. Well, and, and abs this is, every relationship is a two-way street. And, and as we stated last week, these, these books will not save a relationship, but they will, they are fantastic tools for actually improving a relationship. If both parties are willing to put the effort into it. Now I know, so back to what you were saying, you were talking about, um, when your lady spouse or your, your lady, your girlfriend or whoever she's, she's visibly upset, you know it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you say, honey, what's wrong? And it's nothing. Now I do, I have a little bit better understanding of why that response is the go-to and where this pursuit idea that you talked about kind of comes from. I have more understanding than I did. So for us as guys, if we have a problem, you know, yo, dude, what's going on with you? What's wrong? We can usually say, this is what's upsetting me. And it's almost usually, this is what's pissing me off. This is what's bothering me. And we can lay that out just like you talked about for this emotional roller coaster and the dominoes that you start with one and you know, it was said one, one, and the next one said one, two, by the time it's down at the end, women and understandably, so might not be able to actually edify what the hell triggered everything and where they are emotionally. Now they know They've experienced a whole whirlwind of emotions and they're in an upset place for guys. We're going and we're actually trying, honey, you're upset. What's going on? 
for her, she may not be able to actually rationally tell you what oh, no. the hell. I don't believe that. I think uh, they can. Hold on. I Wait believe they second. can. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Wait a second. They can tell you they're upset. They could probably even tell you what emotion they're feeling right now. But to actually get it back to a point where they can relay it to us, and keep in mind, we're a little bit simpleton when it comes to that, where we can actually understand, and then they know we want to fix it. That's the other part of this is because if we want to actually have a rational discourse about this whole thing, you tell me you're upset about work. Well, what's the problem? We can fix that. But that does not explain where they're upset and where they're at now. That might have been a catalyst. And this is the same with with the male, female back and forth that you and I talked about about being in an argument. Just because it's something that you said 10 minutes ago actually set off this chain of events that is emotionally played out. That doesn't explain where she's emotionally at right this minute. And I think women even recognize that. They're like, look, I know I'm pissed and I know I'm mad at you, but I, I can't even get into explaining it and I don't want to. So I'm just going to say nothing. And men, men do the same thing. We get emotionally worked up. We get pissed off. We get upset, especially when we're arguing. We're like, you know what? I can't even freaking wrap my head around this and rationalize it out right now. I don't want to talk about it. So I would believe you, except for the books that I have in front of me. Okay. So, and the, and the reason why I say that, and I'm not being, I'm not trying to be slight on that. And the, the reason why I say that is because l- let's just assume that these books are, are, you know, are painting a very true picture. I'm not saying it's painting a perfect picture, mm-hmm. but even if we assume for the sake of our, and now I'm not trying to pretend I know exactly how women think, because I don't remember angular attack or reverse. Yeah. Remember? I remember. Okay. So, um, you know, the, the, the books outline that the books outline that women are wired to think things through by talking about it. And they also acknowledge that men are wired such that we have to be able to retreat be- so that we can think about it on ourselves before we can talk about it. So right, right there, if we accept those two things, at least accept the premise as true for both of those things, which as a guy, I totally feel that that's true. So then I have to give the benefit of the doubt to the authors that what's happening on the female side is also true, meaning they think things through by talking about it. Then when she comes, when the woman says, I'm fine, I can't, I can't buy the premise that she doesn't know why she's feeling and she can, and she needs time to process it. I don't really buy that. I think I'm, I would have to, I would have to side with the authors of the book here and say, how come if, if it's true that women are predispositioned to talk through their emotions and they want to talk about it so they can figure it out, then why don't they talk about it when we, when we let them know that they're in a safe space with us, we're not going to get upset. If we can at least get, meet them that far, then why can't she come out and say, okay, let me walk things through with you. This might sound a little weird, but just give me some time and just don't say anything. Oh, and Jason, honey, sweetheart, love of my life. I don't want you to fix anything. I just want you to listen to me. And let me just start talking, right? I, why can't that happen? You're muted. Oh, sorry. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that that can't or shouldn't happen at all. I'm not saying that, but I, I do. And much to your point that you just made, if her first response is nothing, I don't want to talk about it. Well, okay, I recognize you don't want to talk about it right this second, but 
I'm right here if you want to. And if you're mad at me, I'd really like to know about it so that I can fix what I've done. So I think that that is the, um, what Jeff actually was relating to is about, and you even mentioned just a second about being pursued in that example. I don't think there's anything wrong with that either one. Now, ladies, if you just say, well, frick it, I don't want to talk about it. Well, this is the part where guys go, well, then fine. And they walk away and that just pisses you off more. And that furthers the, the, uh, right. the anger sharks or keep right. swimming. Right. The anger. And that's not supposed to happen either. Well, and with the other part that I don't like is when something like that happens and you're on your way to an event, you're on your way to Thanksgiving dinner. Right. And now she's like, do we always have to get in a fight on the way on the day of family gatherings and other, can't we just have a nice freaking event out? Why, why does it always have to start with an argument? And if it starts with an argument, I know it's just going to pause and pick right the frick back up on the way home. Right. Right. Well, and because when that happens, when I'm on a way to an event and all of a sudden I look over and it's like, what, 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 what's, what's the matter? Nothing. No, obviously something is the matter. Let's talk about it. It's, it's nothing. I'm fine. Whatever. Now, you know what that does? It's like, okay, fine. I, I, you know, what am I supposed to do with that? Now I'm in a pissy mood and I don't know why I'm in a pissy mood and we're on our way to a family Thanksgiving and now we're both pissed off and we have to somehow try to shove that emotion down. So when we walk in the door, we can immediately put on our happy face and celebrate family time and act like nothing is happening. Meanwhile, we're both stewing and this is festering in. Why don't you just, why can't we just pull over and go, no, let's talk about it right now. Let's at least, we may not be able to solve it. But we're on our way to Thanksgiving. Can we at least get it out in the open where we both know we're okay? We're no, we know we're going to be okay. We know we'll get through it. And so that I don't have this sort of Damocles hanging over my head. And you've at least been heard so that we can figure it out. And then it doesn't we can, become a contest on who can maintain right. their grudge the longest without showing the first sign of weakness. Because it's terrible then to show up to the event and not really be with your spouse that sucks it does it 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 sucks it's terrible it's a terrible place to be in you know trying to put your arm around her for so that you're all all you're doing is maintaining appearances around you know family and friends she doesn't want her your arm around her and you don't want to put your arm around her because you're afraid it's going to get bitten off in the process i i just think a lot of this is just ridiculous and i think if I just wish both sides would would think about their own thought processes and emotions and try to figure out what is it that, you know, as a man, what is it, what is it that I can do to make these situations better for her? And as a woman, what can she do so that she can find a way to talk to me so that we can figure it out sooner rather than later? Right. I, I don't think that's too much of a hard ask. Well, no. And, and at least, like I said, you know, you guys have taken an, an emotional roller coaster, but you left us standing in line. Yeah. So when you get off the ride and we go, how was it? And we're excited because we're getting ready. Don't flip me off because, right. you know, because I, I didn't know. I, I, I'm sorry. The guy didn't take my ticket and he wouldn't let me get on. I was, I'm sitting here waiting though. I'm ready yeah. to go now. You know, 
just recognize, Hey, you, you took the ride without us. So yeah. big break, Let's take a step back and guys recognize she took a ride without you. She yeah. wanted you there. Yeah. You were there in spirit. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> well, well this next one, so this next one is a little uh, frustrating and I, I'm curious. I'm really curious to see how this played with you, how this next chapter played with you. And this next, this next chapter is about, (laughs) this next chapter is about how women actually want their men closer to home. Um, You know, and this, this need directly contradicts a man's innate desire to provide with his family for his family. We talked about that in the, when we were talking about the previous book, how men have this deeply rooted it's ingrained in our dna we have this undying need to provide for our family mm-hmm. and we will many men have done this millions of men have done it throughout time right and they're doing it today where they spend they spend weeks away from their family months away from their family or you know even if it's just you know they're at they're working 14, 15 hour days away from their family. They would like to be near their family. They would like, they want to be with their kids, but by them providing and being out there and working to provide for their family, they feel like they're showing they're there, they're supporting and they're being that faithful, supportive husband and father. And yet most women say they don't want that. They would actually want their husband to be at home more. And in fact, most women would prefer to un to, to suffer through financial struggles. If that meant that they could have more time with their husband at home, they're willing to give up financial stability or some financial stability just to have their husbands in the home. Now, I'm really curious how this, because I know the kind of worker that you are, and I know how much you put into providing for your family. I know what kind of work that you do. Um, did, does that surprise you? No, no, it doesn't surprise me at all. Actually. Um, what I think, um, what I think made the the biggest realization for me is this is something that even, even I have noticed for myself. So <clears throat> for all of our listening audience, I'm not going to go into a whole lot about what I do, um, for work or anything else, but I will tell you this. I work seven days a week. Um, and even when I'm not at work, I'm still working. So I don't travel for work and I'm not away from home, but there is a big difference between being at home and being present Mm -hmm. in the home. And there is so much of my time at home where I'm not present with my family because of that. And I recognize that. And I know this pains my wife. I really do. Um, this was, this is really tough for me because I, she supports me in knowing that I have to do this and I have to work and I have to provide um, she's actually, she is very supportive of me in that, but recognizes that it's taking a strain, not on, not only on me physically, but on me emotionally, as well as it's time away that I can't just sit and watch a movie half the time. 
because I, I can be interrupted at any time. I can't go take my kids camping and fishing like I really want to and take a weekend out because I have to be available. And so it, it might as well be as if I'm, I'm gone because even when I'm there, I'm not really there. Yeah. And that's a delicate balance. And guys, you know what? Um, I can tell you a six figure salary, not that I make a six figure salary. Let me qualify that. I'm going to back that up before anybody gets the wrong idea, but a, a large salary is not necessarily worth it. Um, it's, you have to understand that providing doesn't mean lavish. It means making ends meet and making sure your family is taken care of. And one of those, one of those key points is making them feel as though you are present for them too. That's you are providing emotional framework, just like the physical framework for that family unit. And while, yes, you're working to pay the rent and working to bring in the groceries and those kind of things that provide for their physical well-being, it is also your duty as a provider to provide for their emotional well-being as well. And there's only so much time and so much energy you have. And I would highly, highly encourage you where you can sacrifice earnings to make sure that those other needs are met because you will suffer for it if you don't. So here's a, here's a couple of, here's a little bit of passage, a bit of a couple of passages from the book here that I found really interesting. So the, and I, this quote here, I thought about you when I read it, the quote is, yeah, if okay. you, <laughs> it is, if you appear to give more time and attention to work, it appears that you are making work your priority to her. That means she is not your priority. That choice leaves her feeling distanced and unloved by you, even if the main reason you're busting your tail is to show her your love. That was huge. Yeah. That was, that's a huge thing. And so what, what this means, what the authors discovered here is that for men, we tend to think of security in terms of financial security, but for women, women tend to think of security as emotional security. And so... <clears throat> Here are some. Here are five things that they that they learned in in conducting this study. Um, number one, she feels that the two of you are close, so she needs to feel that. She needs to feel that the two of you are close within that relationship. If you're not, then she's not going to feel loved. Number two, they discovered that she sees that you make time together a priority. So, women need to see that their men are making. It doesn't, it's not necessarily saying date night. I know a lot of people like to say, well, we made date night or whatever. It's not, it goes beyond date night. It's, it's, you're just making time to be together. You're making that a priority. Number three, women want to see your commitment to her. That's, and that's going to be a little bit different for everybody. I'm sure. Number four, she sees that you are active in the life of the home. So if you're not there or to your point, you're there, but you're not really present then you're not active in the, in the life of the home with the kids and all that. And number five, she sees you making an effort to provide as long as that doesn't crowd out one through four. So yes, women want to see their men be providers. They do, but they also want to see their men make time to be together as a couple and to be committed 
to her and to be committed to the life that they're trying to build in the house. And, and I think a lot of guys are going to, are, are faulting here. I think a lot of guys are, are stumbling here and they don't even know it. Oh yeah. And, and, and especially if you're raising children, especially if you're raising children and for the last 18 years, men, all you've been doing is busting your ass to provide for your family. Meanwhile, for 18 years, while you've been doing that, what you've been showing her, what you've been showing your wife is that you're not, is that she is not a priority for you, that you're not making a commitment to be together with her. You're not making alone time with her a priority. She doesn't feel close to you. Um, she doesn't feel like the two of you are close. And then you wonder once the kids are off and away at college, why all of a sudden your wife comes to you and slaps you with divorce papers. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're right. like, what, wait, what happened the whole time I've been out busting my ass, proving my love for my family and for you by providing for you. And from her perspective, it's for the last 18 years, you haven't even been present. Yep. You haven't made me a priority. So now I'm, I don't need your, your money anymore. The kids are grown. So I want a divorce now. Right. And I think a lot of men hit that point. Yeah. You get hit it, with that. It, it's a surprise attack. Oh, absolutely. And th this is, it's a very, very, very easy trap to fall into. And, and I, I can tell you from personal experience, I'm, I'm right there. I'm right there. Uh, not getting hit with divorce papers. At least I don't think. I, I don't, I don't think so, <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's what we do. We, we, we go to work, we provide for our family, we provide for our, our, our wife and kids. That's what we do. When we come home, we're freaking tired and beat, you know, we're putting in the, the 10, 12, 14 hour days. I know a lot of guys that are doing that. Um, guys that are traveling out of town at least weekly over on overnight trips. And the, it's, it's their work. It's what they have to do. But what are you sacrificing at the same time? And keeping in mind, guys, this is not, this is not about being anyone recognizing the sacrifice that you're making because yeah, you want to be home and doing all that too, but you don't have a choice. You got to go out and make the, you got to bring the bacon, but to your spouse, you are choosing that over her, over the kids over the house over the family over the you're making that a choice that's the priority choice that you're making and then you wonder why she gets pissed off when saturday comes around and you say i'm gonna go have beers with the guys and play poker really you really want to know why that pisses her off because mm -hmm. you've been choosing everything else but her all week and then on the saturday when you actually have time to, you're gonna go do something else at, as well sorry no i i just i i found this i found this chapter although there there is a lot of this chapter that i sort of um i think i knew about intuitively i didn't have the right vocabulary to describe it the way it's described in the book um you know and so for for example um they talk about that women feel secure when men demonstrate commitment 
to them. Mm-hmm. And, and that commitment is not just going out and earning money for the household, right? But that he's willing to put her above a lot of other, a lot of other things. And, you know, I, I never, I never had children of my own, but I always firmly believed, you know, when I was, when I originally got married many moons ago, I firmly believed. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of couples don't see it this way. Uh, I firmly believe that when you have children, your wife has to be a higher priority than the children. Your spouse, your spouse mm-hmm. has to be that has to be higher than your children. And there's a reason for that. And some people that I've mentioned that to over the years, they're flabbergasted. They're like, yeah. why on earth? They're children. You have to put them there. The number they, you know, whenever I hear people say, my kids are number one. Well, are you married? Yes. Are you married to the spouse who gave you those children? Yes. Then your spouse should be number one. Why? Because eventually as a parent, what you're trying to do is you're trying to raise children that will eventually be kicked out of the nest. Mm-hmm. And eventually those children will not be there. Yeah. And if you haven't made your spouse your, your number one priority, then your spouse is not the number one priority. And when those children leave, there's a huge void there because you no longer have a number one. Right. I, I was talking. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, and, and most people don't look at it that way. They think that I, they have to dedicate their entire existence to their children. And then we wonder why, why children are staying in the, in the house now until they're 25, 30 years of age. And we have, we're, we're now faced with an entire generation, not the millennials, the millennials are out there working now. We're faced with this brand new generation, generations, the, or whatever they're calling it now. We're faced with this whole new generation that it's the first generation that has zero aspiration to do anything. Mm-hmm. We're faced with our, you know, the kids that are in high school, graduating high school today, they don't want to go to college. They don't want to move out of their parents' house. They don't want to get a job. They don't want to do anything constructive because they've never had to suffer and they've never learned how to suffer. They just, right. they've never le- learned. And, and what I mean by, I'm not saying that you need to starve your children, <laughs> but there are so many parents that have never told their children, no, yeah. you know, they've never, you know, they, they let the children play basketball in the fall and then play soccer in the springtime and then do flag football during the summer months or swimming in the summer. And they're constantly filling their calendar with all of these activities for the kids. And at some point they should have said, you know what you did, you do, ba- you do basketball in the fall. You're not doing anything more than that. I'm not driving you all over God's creation for that, you know, uh, to keep you occupied. Why don't you go read some books and, and focus on something else for a change, right? Um, learn how to entertain yourself. We're, we're, most parents, they don't tell their children no, and they're, they're raising children who are destined to fail when they leave the home. And therefore the children probably won't leave the home for a very long period of time. And if you're that kind of a parent, if you're that kind of a parent, imagine what your future mother or your future daughter-in-law or son-in-law is going to have to deal with when you finally are able to, you know, to rope somebody into marrying your kid. And now you're going to inject your kid into this other person's household now. Um, and you're, you're going to find that your, your daughter-in-law or your son-in-law 
is going to wants to strangle your child because you failed as a parent to raise them with how to survive in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all because you put your children at the tippy top number one priority and not your spouse. <clears throat> and I think yep. that's a detriment. And I think, I think, I think families all over this country are just, they've got it backwards. Well, and, and I was actually talking with a very good buddy of mine not long ago, and he'd mentioned that his dad had always said that, you know, I love you kids dearly, but your wife, or excuse me, your mom, his wife is my number one priority. I love her most. Right. And I can imagine as a kid, you're probably not sure how to take that, but I have to at least credit him to, to recognize that. Yeah, you chose her. She chose you. The kids are going to grow up and leave and it's going to be you too. And I, we're seeing a lot of this right now where I think couples have, they've lost their own identity, not just as individuals, but as a couple after yeah. they have kids and then they, they don't become, you know, husband and wife or male one and female one anymore, not individuals. They just become mom and dad. And when kids leave, they don't know who they are anymore. And right. all of a sudden they look at this other person and they're like, well, you know, that's my kid's parent. But other than that, they're stranger to me. Right. And they split. It's happening a lot right now. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm reminded for a lot of people don't, you know, this, but, um, when my daughter was born or was going to be born, yeah, I, I had to have a very difficult conversation with my wife. Um, she was having a very, very, very difficult, um, delivery. We were getting ready to go in. They were going to take my daughter out, (laughs) um, in a, last ditch effort to save my wife's life and the doctor had had to ask me a question and I had to talk to my wife about it and I said you know if if it comes to a point where I have to choose between you or the child you have to understand I'm going to choose you right and my wife didn't like that of course not and, and I understand where she was, but I said, honey, I, we can make another baby. I can't make another you. Right, right. I choose you. And that has to be the way it was. And that was, I have to credit her. It was very difficult for her to hear <laughs> and even harder for her to swallow. But she understood where I was at and that I wasn't going to take another answer anyway. So she at least um, acquiesced <laughs> to my position on that. But that was very clear to me at the time now that i've got two kids i can also understand the natural tendency of parents to say that their kids are their number one priority my kids are a huge priority in life and i i can easily understand why someone would say they're my number one priority however this is something that i am refocusing in myself to make sure that my wife understands and let gentlemen, this is what I'm talking about. When we first got back, we started this whole thing. I need to make sure she knows, doesn't hear me say it, but believes that she is my biggest priority. 
Well, and I think I think Generation X, I think my generation, I think we we uh, we grew up knowing that we were not the number one priority <laughs> because we were, you know, we were the latchkey kids. We were the kids that had to take care of ourselves. We were the kids where it was like, you know, we could we could ride in the back of the pickup truck truck standing up right? and nobody cared. You know, if he falls out, he'll learn. He'll learn to hold on, you know, he'll learn. Just yeah. drive around, just drive around the block and, you know, wait for him to dust himself, pick himself up, yeah, off pick him back up, you know, and then get back in the, you know, he'll learn. Right. We, we, we were that generation where our parents were like, yeah, whatever, you know, and now I, I look at parents and I think, good Lord, I don't, I would, I would probably be judged so harshly as a parent because yes, you would. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because yeah, I give them a lot of like, you know, it's like uh, children. Yeah. I give them a lot of like, you know, love it's overrated. Just give them a lot of like, they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out, you know, eventually. Yeah. Um, but most parents, most, most parents today are not like that. They have to dote. And, you know, that's why we come up with the, the terms helicopter parents, or now there's the, what is it called? The bulldozer parents, snowplow um, parents. Snow snow parents. Parents. There weren't there weren't things like play dates. What it, oh. No, yeah. you didn't have I didn't have a play date. It was get your ass outside and don't come back until the street lamps come on. Yep. I I still remember that. The street lamp comes on or I whistle. Or my I mom would, would yeah. come on. And I actually yeah. learned how, I figured out how to whistle. My mom's so proud. Um, but yeah, if I if I was where I couldn't hear my mom whistle, I was too far. I, I tried that excuse. I didn't hear you. Then you were too far. That did not get me out of trouble <laughs> at all. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was go, go play. You want to go see your friends? Well, go find them. Where are they go at? find them? Go find I don't them. know. I yeah. went to their house. Well, they're around here somewhere. Yeah. They got to be. So Yeah. And now kids can't even ride a half a mile on, on a bike. Well, it's too hot. I mean, it's too hot. Yeah, it's 115 degrees, but get on your, you'll cool off. Yeah. Don't, don't you got you some water? Them? Take a water bottle with you, put a little bit on your head, get out there. It's only a half a mile, mm -hmm. you know, and, and yet I would probably be vilified if I did that. And, and today kids can't, they can't be, you know, they, they can't be uh, trusted to go out there and, you know, it'd be considered inhumane. Yeah. You know, a child walks a quarter of a mile to the circle K, you know, go get a, go get a Dr. Pepper in here, buy yourself a bag of chips or a candy bar while you're out there, you know, um, no, no child is going to walk a quarter of a mile. To the, they don't want it bad enough. They, they don't, they literally don't want it bad enough. Uh, and they don't want anything. And so we are literally, I was reading that about a couple of weeks ago, about two or three weeks ago, about how the generation Z is the first generation who aspires to nothing. That's sad. That's it very, is very sad. sad. Everything's been handed to all of our kids. Yeah. And, and, to a point we're to blame for that too just like you were talking about with the helicopter and the snowplow parenting if if you know i'll i'll just pick on me my daughter said oh daddy i want to go down to the maverick down the way and buy a, a dr pepper and a candy bar i wouldn't say well here's five bucks get me one too i mean i might my wife wouldn't let me but you know what i mean it's that's really far you don't know what so what happens is i'll drive her down there. I'll walk with her. I'll take her with me. whatever it is. And then that habit starts forming that if you need anything, you either get taken to it. Somebody else does it. Someone else provides it. Um, all the information we have is on the internet. Nobody has to go to the library. I remember having to go to the library as a kid to, to do research 
for reports and stuff for school. Actually go physically to the library and physically grab a book. You don't do that. Everything's all on demand. Everything's instant gratification. Well, and it's so, because yeah. it's because we're making our children. I think a lot of families are making their children number one priority, and they're dedicating all they're dedicating their lives to the happiness and the joy and the well being of their children, which you know that is noble, but they're doing it at the sacrifice by sacrificing their spouse in the process. Yeah, it, it's the the downhill spiral that the participation trophies have caused. Yeah. They don't have to actually work for a trophy anymore. You just have to show up. Right. And mom and dad will take care of me for perpetuity. Absolutely. Mom and dad will probably get divorced because they won't like each other after 18 years, but they'll yeah, still but take that, care of me. So it didn't affect the kid. Right. Yeah, what, what difference does it matter? Does that matter? So, yeah. So this was a happy ending. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. we, we've, we've, we figured out that you're going to get divorced about, you know, in another, 15 years or something like that, right? Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Appreciate it. <laughs> Jokes. You better not. That's why we're doing, that's why we're, we're right? looking at all, at all these books um, and trying to figure out a way to understand the opposite sex. And, and again, you know, it, for me to have this kind of realization that I have to work on myself, but also women should be working that came after reading the second book because the first book was like, it was a big epiphany about me and it made me want to become a better person. And so once I started reading the one about women, I kind of, I, I wasn't, there wasn't anything. It, it, it stopped being about how I need to improve. And I couldn't help but think that, that, well, shouldn't women want to improve as well? So I felt like, I felt like that needed to be said. And I really hope that if, if women listen to this show, that they think about that. And, you know, yes, this is how we behave as humans. Um, but as humans, we have the ability to improve ourselves and to become better um, and better versions of ourselves. So I would hope that if you read these books or you, if nothing else, you listen to these podcasts. And if you, if you realize that, yeah, this is how I behave, or this is, this is normal for me too, then reflect on that. Do some hard, do some digging just in your own self and how can, how can you be better so that you can be better for your partner and you don't have to make things so difficult for your partner? Uh, and I think, that's, I think that's really the main point of these books. And I don't want people to think like, oh, I don't have to change my behavior. I don't have to change my actions. I'm just going to follow these books and everything will be kosher. Yep. And that, I don't think that's the message of these books. At no, all. I think these should be a set of reasons, not excuses. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, with that... I think we're going to call it for this particular episode. So uh, again, right. Fusion Underground, you can catch all of our stuff at fusionunderground.net. Um, we're on YouTube and you can just whatever podcast, BeanPod or Podbean or whatever kind of <laughs> software app you have on your phone, just do a search for Fusion Underground. You'll, I'm sure you'll find us. You can send us hate mail at contact at fusionunderground.net. For Jason Moret, I'm Manuel, Manuel Ramirez. I can't even say my own name. You've been listening to the Fusion Underground. Peace, we're late. Have a good night. <laughs>